Good morning. It is great to see all of you, and we welcome those who are watching online. Hope you've had a great week, and we are glad you're here with us at First Baptist Ruston this morning. Your heartbeat, your heartbeat. How many of you agree your heartbeat's important? Only if you like living is it important. Your, your, your existence depends physically on your respiration and on your, your heartbeat. So your heart, your heart beats life. I mean, it, it literally is, is life. And a strong heartbeat is good. A weak heartbeat is probably not good. And, and sometimes we talk about the, 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 the phrase or the term heartbeat. We use it figuratively to talk about uh, what something is about, what, what it gives it life what it's made up of. And this morning, what I want to talk about is God's heartbeat. I want to talk about God's heartbeat. I want to talk about what God's heartbeat is for the Christian and how the Christian is to live. It is our Vision Sunday, and in our connection groups, small groups, we we did some vision video, and we're going to give you some material on the way out to kind of let you know where our church has been and where we're going. Back in 2012, we adopted a a vision program called Vision 2020 uh, ends in a year and a half or the end of 2020. And to see where our church is in, some, in regards to a lot of those things, it's been some cool and wonderful things God has done. But I think today as we look at that vision, what I want to bring us back to is God's heartbeat. So if you're here today or you're watching online and you're not a Christian, you're, you're an agnostic, you're antagonistic against God, I think when you see what God is really about, and the churches and Christians may not have represented this well, what God is really about, what God's heartbeat is, I think you'll be attracted to it. If you are a Christian this morning, we're going to look at what God says that we should be like, what we are to be about. And as a church, maybe you, you go to another church somewhere else, your church should be about but certainly, uh, First Baptist Rust and what we are to be about. We're going to be in Matthew 22. Matthew 22, if you have your Bibles, in Matthew 28. If you don't have a Bible, they'll be on the screen so you can follow along. These passages each could make about a 10-week sermon series, so I'm going to try to get you out of here in about three hours. So just bear with me. Here's the first thing. When God, you think about God's heartbeat, the first word is the word love. God's heartbeat is a heartbeat of love. In Matthew 22... Uh, it's, it's, these are called the great commandments. In verse 34, it says, but when the Pharisees heard that, that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they're trying to trick Jesus, they gathered together. They didn't gather together to pray or to go over scripture memory. They gathered together to try to trick Jesus. The Pharisees, the word Pharisee literally means separatist. These are the elite religious people of Jesus' day. These are the Green Beret of, of uh, Old Testament Judaism. The Sadducees are, a lot of them were priests, and they're more upper class, class maybe a little bit liberal. And Jesus had just smoked them. And now the Pharisees are gathering to try to trick Jesus, to try to, to try to trip him up. And in verse 35 and 36, it says, one of them, a lawyer. Now, this is not a lawyer like Ron Madden or, or, or even Ray Madden. This is a different kind of lawyer, not a civil lawyer. This is a, uh, a scribe of the Old Testament. This is an Old Testament scholar. They ask him a question, look, to test him. By the way, if you ever want to test Jesus, you're always going to lose, Correct. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, the, the Jewish religious leaders said there were 613 laws in the Old Testament. You doubt them, go home and count them up this afternoon. 248 were positive, 365 negative. And they, for centuries, had argued 
What was the most important? They said, what's the heaviest? What's the lightest? Some of it was good. A lot of it was silliness. I mean, some would argue the most important thing was the ceremonial hand washings. And some would say it was what you carried on the Sabbath day. So they're trying to trick Jesus. And they're saying, what is the most important command? And Jesus lays it out. Man, he lays it out great. And, and, And this is the first thing that his heartbeat says for you as a Christian. This is his first heartbeat for you and me as a church. And that's to love God. Look in verse 37. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Man, this is from Deuteronomy 6 in the Old Testament. Jesus lays it out. He said, hey, for us today, if you're a Christian, this is where it all starts for you and me. If you're not a Christian, this is where it starts. As a church, this is the main thing we are, the first thing we are to be about. That's loving God with all of our being. The New Testament was written in Greek. The Greek had four different words for our one English word, love. Greek is expressive language. The word used here is the word agape, which it's a wonderful word. It means to choose to love someone. It's not about feelings or emotion. It's making a choice that I am going to act and behave in a loving manner towards someone or something. Here he's talking about with God. He says, with all your heart, soul, and being. And, and, and instead of breaking all those words down, I'm going to tell you simply what he's saying. With everything you have, you love God first. So you're a Christian. Here's God's heartbeat for you. You love God more than anything else in the world. As a church, our number one thing is to love God. And in that one concept of loving God as a Christian, as a church, and again, if you're not a Christian, what it means is it means to prioritize. It means to worship. It means to serve. It means to give. It means to pour yourself out to God. The first thing of God's heartbeat is that we love Him because when we love Him first, everything else is going to start heading in the right direction. But Jesus doesn't stop there with His heartbeat of love. The next thing He says is love people. Love people. Verse 39, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I love this. See, they didn't ask for two, did they? (laughs) A a lot of religious people will say they love God. They're just mean to people. Have you ever known people like that? Have you ever gone into a church and, man, they'll raise their hand. I'm for for raising hands and they'll worship and they'll sing and then they're not friendly to you. Isn't that just great? That stinks, doesn't it? Hey, if you don't really like people, you come this morning and get saved because you don't have Jesus. In 1 John, it says, how can you say you love God who you can't see if you don't love people who you can see? And Jesus said, listen, my heartbeat is that you love God, but if you love God, you will love people. Again, it's that word agape. It's not a feeling. There's people, some people you're going to feel a love for. Some people you're going to feel a bond with and a family, brotherly love. Some people you're not, but you choose to be loving and kind and good to people. Who is your neighbor? Pharisees debated this. Most Pharisees said a neighbor was a a fellow Pharisee, so if you weren't a fellow Pharisee, they didn't have to love you. William Barclay, a New Testament scholar, said in Jesus' day that the Romans accused the Jewish people of being haters of mankind. I'm sure the Romans hated them too because a lot of the Jewish people back then believed that to love your neighbor was to love a fellow Jewish person. You didn't have to love anybody else. Jesus taught the Good Samaritan that the neighbor is that person who doesn't look like you. The neighbor is anybody and everybody. In fact, in Matthew 5, if you're taking notes, Jesus said, love your enemy. So who's your neighbor? It's every person you come in contact with. That's who we love is what he was saying. And again, it's, it's that 
that unconditional choosing to love, it's not about emotions or it's not about feelings. I want to tell you what's lacking in a lot of churches is L-O-V-E for people. We, we argue the Bible. We argue studies. A lot of Christian organizations, a lot of Christian people professing Christians. We don't show love. There was a, a, a man. He was in bed one morning, Sunday morning. His mama came to get him up. And she said, you need to get up right now and get ready to go to church. And he said, I'm going to give you two reasons why I'm not going to church this morning. They don't like me, and I don't like them. And she said, I'm going to give you two reasons you're going to get up and go to church this morning. First, you're 59 years old. And second, you're the pastor of the church. (laughs) And you know, that is funny. It's funny, but there's truth in it. People don't want to go to a church where they don't feel loved. God says the heartbeat of him for you and me and for our churches that we love God and we love people. Listen, I read an article this week, and I think it's true. Christianity and religion is under attack in America. And some people are even beginning to put out this false narrative that Christianity is a dangerous religion. Do we defeat that by argument? Maybe some. But the main way we will beat that is by loving people. Isn't that neat? Just serving people, being kind to people, being good to people, smiling at people. Don't tell me you love me if you can't look at me and smile and be friendly. Amen? Amen? That's how we'll defeat it. We do as a church, we do some events every year. We feed people in the Civic Center. We take grocery bags, and and they were doing those things long before I got here. They're wonderful ministries. And, you know, we see very few people come and join our church as a result of those ministries. But you know what we're doing through those ministries? We are L-O-V-E, loving people. Man, you're not a Christian. Christianity is the heartbeat of God. It's about loving Him and loving people and Him loving you. If you are a Christian, I want to challenge you this morning. Man, live out this love. You remember this church or wherever you go to church, you help your church live it out because that's God's heartbeat for you. Here's the second word this morning, and that's the word when. The word when. We have posted all around our church, love, win, and grow, and, and these are not cute things. They're biblical principles. You start with the heartbeat of God by loving people, but in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20 through 20, it's called the great commission. It's Jesus' last words. This is the great commandments. His last words, and it says, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Leave that there for a second. Do you see what Jesus just said? Either Jesus is delusional. The word all literally means the totality, the totality of authority, of executive power in heaven and earth. In other words, everywhere in the universe, everywhere, all authority is given unto me. Listen, when somebody says that and it's real, They need to be listened to. Listen what he says in verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. The the words there, the verbiage, go therefore, it, it doesn't literally mean when you get somewhere you go and evangelize. It means as you're going, as you do life, you're to be doing these things. To make a disciple, what is a disciple? If you're taking notes, it's a follower. It's a learner. It is also a convert. The the first place you become a disciple is by becoming a convert to Jesus Christ. You make a choice to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's becoming a Christian. That's the word we use today. A disciple was the primary word they used 2,000 years ago. Jesus said to baptize. Here's what Jesus says the first thing. I want you to love people regardless 
I want you to love me and love people regardless, but I want you to love people enough that you will do anything that you have to do to help them come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's my heartbeat. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus talks about, it's one of the four places he talks about his purpose for coming to earth. For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. The heartbeat of Jesus is to reach people is to bring them to him. If you're not a Christian today, what a cool thing that Jesus left heaven to come to earth to reach you, to bring you to him. And if you're a Christian, Jesus' heartbeat should be your heartbeat. As a church, we are called the body of who? Of Christ. And the heartbeat of Christ should be the heartbeat of our church. I don't know who said this, but it's so good. If the Holy Spirit really lives in you, you can't keep him in you. He comes out. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, see, the, the reason some of us don't share our faith, the reason some churches are so de- dead you can store potatoes in the baptistry because it's a nice, cool, dry place, is because the Spirit of God's not there. When the Holy Spirit has you, or He has me, or He has a church, you cannot keep Him to yourself. He bubbles out, and He comes forth. Isn't that wonderful? And I love it. It says, all nations... That means everybody everywhere should be in your, your target to reach for Christ. All over the world and all over Ruston, we're trying to reach people for Jesus Christ. But we're doing a poor job as churches. The Southern Baptist Convention, who we affiliate with, has over 47,000 churches. That's a lot of churches. Second only to the Catholic Church in number of churches in size. But yet thousands of Baptist churches baptize zero people a year. Zero people a year. Last year in our church, we, we baptized 62 people. We saw over 106 people pray to receive Christ. That's good, but it needs to be a lot better. The heartbeat of Jesus Christ. Listen, the heartbeat of Christ is, is that you go to heaven and you take as many people with you as you can. Are you in for that? In Bogota, Texas, anybody know where Bogota, Texas is? In the first service, there was two. Anybody in this service? Yarn is cultured. Bogota is near, we got one. Bogota is near Paris, Texas. And I had a friend, Clayton and I had a friend who pastored in Bogota for a few years. It's a small village community. And like a lot of southern communities, it had a Baptist church, a Methodist church, Assembly of God. And it had another church for years. But the other church didn't believe in evangelizing. They didn't believe in sharing faith. And, and, and that church closed. And when my friend was pastoring there, this is a true story, that church is now a funeral home. Is that not ironic? <laughs> when you fail to evangelize, you fossilize. You will die. Well, where's First Baptist? Well, it's the First Baptist funeral home today. They quit, they quit leading people to Christ and they died a slow and painful death. No. Listen, Jesus loves you enough. He died for you and wanted to save you. If Christians, if he indwells you and me, don't argue with me about it. I'm telling you the truth. You're supposed to be winning people to Christ. As a church, that's one of our primary missions. But it doesn't stop there. The third word is the word grow. It's the word grow. God's called us. His heartbeat is a heartbeat of loving. It's winning and growing. In verse 20 of Matthew 28, it says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The word teach there literally means doctrine. 
learning. To observe means to, to obey something and let it shape your life. You see, the, the purpose, one of the purposes of the church and, and, and other Christians is that we, we teach people so they will live out their faith. I'm afraid a lot of our teaching today is so we can win a stinking argument. How ridiculous. You, you think someday we stand before God and say, you know, I didn't help many people become like Jesus, but I sure showed a lot of people up. He's going to be really impressed, isn't he? God's called you and me as a church to teach people so their lives will be different. So they'll be changed. My, my second church, there was a beautiful elderly lady named Avis Crenshaw. And I remember she, her telling me this years ago. She said, Chris, when a person becomes a Christian, whether they're 8 or they're 80, they're a baby in Christ is what the Bible says. Babies need to be nurtured. They need to be taken care of. They need to be helped. They need to be guided. That's our call. That's our call. When I, before I went to graduate school, I worked on a construction site. And I dreamed of being a bricklayer or a carpenter, but I was a laborer. I cleaned up after people. This was God's way of getting me to go to graduate school. You're never going to be a carpenter or bricklayer. And I remember talking to some of those carpenters, and one of them said, to be a master carpenter in Tennessee, you had to apprentice for three years before they really let you out on your own. It's kind of interesting. Jesus discipled his men for three years. By the way, as a Christian... We should constantly be growing because we're trying to grow to be like Jesus. We never accomplish that. But one of the missions of our church and one of the missions for your life is that you be helping other people come to Jesus. Let me tell you a few neat things about what our church has done in the last seven or eight years with this winning and this growing and this loving. We set a goal in 2012 by the end of 2020 that we were going to take 27 mission trips in Louisiana, North America, and around the world. At the end of 2018, we had taken 33. Isn't that cool? I think we're going to take up a lot more. We set a goal that we were going to give $2.5 million, $2.5 million to mission causes outside of Ruston, Louisiana, and all over the world. And, and as of the end of 2018, with two years left, we had given $3.26 million. Isn't that wonderful? That's awesome. And that's you guys. That's who our church is. Last year, we had a record year in mission giving. We gave over 551000 over half a million dollars to mission causes to, to reach Louisiana, North America, and the world. Man, that's awesome, isn't it? That's what God's called us to do, to go and to give and to pray. And, and listen, I want to challenge you this morning. The heartbeat of Jesus Christ is for you and I to grow up like him if we're Christians. And it's to help other people continue to grow as Christians. And if you're not a Christian, Jesus loves you and he wants you to come to him. And his goal is to help you become more and more like him the rest of your life. And let me tell you what happens when you put these things together well. And that's the word success. Not some worldly, insignificant, temporary success. But in a wonderful way. Listen, when you live out the heartbeat of God, you are going to find success and effectiveness. Here's the problem. So many Christians aren't very effective for Jesus. So many churches are not very effective for Jesus. These are very recent stats. Our Southern Baptist Convention, about a thousand churches close every year. Different denominations, put them all together, Six to 10,000 churches close every year in our country. Some of that is, is normal. They're, they're in villages. The people are moving. There's nobody there. You're not going to have a church. 
A whole lot of it is, is that churches are fussing and fighting and, and playing with insignificant things, and they're missing the heartbeat of God, and they're dying. Life is with your heartbeat. It's with the heartbeat of Christ, and they're dying. I read an article this week, this is scary, that said in America it's possible the Christian church peaked in 2006. That's 13 years ago. And that churches are dying, more churches are dying in America each year than are being started. That's a problem. What's the problem? I'm going to tell you what the I know what the problem is. We're missing the heartbeat of God. William Carey was considered the father of the modern missionary movement. In Leicester, England, where he originated from, for many, many centuries, there was the William Carey Memorial Church. It closed. Today, it's a Hindu temple. Is that not unbelievable? Folks, I'm not exaggerating this. If we lose the heartbeat of God as a church and as Christians, they may be storing hay in here in 100 years. This is a pretty place to store hay, isn't it? Or wherever you go to church. It's just not, it's not automatic in America anymore that the churches are just going to do well. But the churches that will stay with the heartbeat of Christ will. In verse 40 of, of, of Matthew 22, Jesus says, On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Folks, this is super simple. It's just not easy. And we would rather have something complicated and simple, wouldn't we? We'd rather have something that's really complicated but requires nothing from us, right? This is, this is simple. It's just hard. Jesus said all of the Old Testament, all 929 chapters, everything in the Ten Commandments, all the laws, love God and love people. Let that pulsate from your heart, your life, and your church. You fulfill everything in the Old Testament. That's amazing, isn't it? Go read Leviticus this afternoon, and you will come back to me with tears in your eyes and say, yes, that's amazing. At the end of verse 28, listen to what Jesus says in Matthew. Excuse me, end of verse 20. Teach them to observe everything I've commanded you, and I will probably be with you until things get tough. Read that last part with me. And behold... With you always to the end of the age. Here's what Jesus said. I've given you two commandments. It's simple. It's hard. My heartbeat is for you as a Christian, for your church to love God. All people love people. Win as many people as you can to Jesus. Grow them up to be like Christ. You be growing up like Christ. And if you'll do this, you will be effective. You will be successful. And I'm going to be with you every step of the way until the final trumpet blows and all is done. I'll never leave you. I'm going to empower you to make this possible. Wow, that's pretty good stuff, isn't it? I saw years ago, and I think this is true, talking about a church. What does it take for a church? If you're looking for a church or your church, whatever it is, what does it take for a church to truly be effective? And it said there's two main ingredients after God, obviously. The pastor and the ministers have to want the church to grow. They have to. A lot of pastors and ministers don't want to. They want to come drink coffee all day and argue the Bible and go home at four. 
But if the pastors and ministers truly wanted to grow and are willing to pay the price, they're willing to work hard, and then you get enough church members, you may not get all church members, but you have enough church members who, are, who really want their church to grow and are willing to pay the price, you know what? It will. That's neat, isn't it? It throws a lot of burden on me and my men and women and on you. But I'm for it. I'm game till I go to heaven or I retire. And I know my team is and I know many of you are. You see, it's very possible that we can be effective if we'll be who God's called us to be. You may not ever get a Ph.D. You may not get into med school or vet school. You may not. But I want to tell you, you can make a home run for Christ if you will let his heartbeat be your heartbeat. Years ago, I heard Ed Young Sr., who's a pastor at Second Baptist Houston, speaking. And it was in a breakout session, and people were asking him questions. His church now runs about 24,000. Now, they're in the middle of Houston on the weekends. A lot of people, but they're very effective. And someone asked him, Dr. Young is a Christian and is a church. How do we reach people? How do we grow? How do we be effective? And I'll never forget what he said. If you will just live out the simple things God's told you to do, how can you not be effective? Amen. It's not ultimately about tricks and methods. It's about having the heartbeat of God in your life and in our church. Years ago in Houston, Texas, one morning on the front page of a paper was an unusual picture. It was a grown man standing and a lady with her ear, her head pressed against his chest. It was unusual for several reasons because it wasn't like he was hugging her like this was someone he knew closely or she was hugging him. Her head was on his chest, ear pressed against his chest, tears running down her face, and he's standing there and he's kind of teared up. It was enough to get you to read the article for sure. What it was was a few months ago, her son died tragically and he was an organ donor. And they harvested his heart, and they put his heart in that man who was dying from heart failure. And it saved his life. And that, that mother, can you imagine, was putting her ear on that stranger's chest, hearing her son's heartbeat. Wow. And I thought this week, as I read that again, I thought, you know what? What would God hear if he put his ear to this church this morning? Would he hear his son's heartbeat? You you claim to be a Christian. If God put his ear to your chest this morning, would he hear his son's heartbeat? My prayer is that we'll all say yes to that this morning. Would you pray with me? This morning, if you're a Christian, man, I just challenge you. Let God's heartbeat be your heartbeat. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you're unsure if you're a Christian, pray with me if you're ready and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. 
And I want to repent of my sins. And I believe you're God's son. And that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. And when we do, I want to challenge you. Maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus in your life. Or maybe you're ready to do that this morning. Don't leave the building without settling this. Come come when we stand and talk to a minister. Meet me after church over at this door. But give your life to Christ this morning. Maybe today you would like to join our church. Listen, if you're looking for a church like what I just described, come and join us. You can do that after church. You can come when, when we stand. If you'd rather be in a church that fusses and fights, we can help you find one of those. You want to be a church that, in a church that wants the heartbeat of God, come and join us. You're a Christian today. Many of you are you're doing well with this. Keep it up because it's easy to get off center here. Some of us, man, it's time to repent today. We, haven't, we know Christ, but we haven't been living like it. We've lost his heartbeat. We've held our churches back. And it's time to repent today. Maybe where you're standing, come pray with a minister. Come pray for our church. Let's stand as God leads you. You come. We'll be waiting on you today.